Welcome to Restored for Life with Pastor Ben Harris, the senior pastor at Restored Community Church, where God's perfect word restores imperfect people. Here's today's message from Pastor Ben. Well, greetings and welcome back to our series called The Lion Revealed. It's a study of the book of Revelation. And you know, I was so excited to begin this book, but um, it is challenging in the middle you know, the middle, really, probably 60% of the book is very challenging. When we start seeing God's wrath poured out in, in so many ways, in so many chapters. But I'm reminded of what Corey Tenboom uh, said about a conductor. The conductor doesn't panic when his train goes in a dark, completely blackened tunnel because he knows that at the other end there is light and he knows where he's going. And, uh, and so in the middle of this, while this is challenging... And let me tell you, I, I understand that, and I agree with you. It's, it's hard to listen to some of this, but we are going to hear, and you will see, that even in the midst of the difficulties and these dark challenges going on, and the judgments, you will see God's love, and you will see his mercy, and you will see his grace as we go through this, as challenging as it is. Today, we'll begin in chapter 14. We've, we've made it to chapter 14. So you can start making your way over there, Revelation chapter 14. Theologians have long since recognized the connection of chapters 14, 15, and 16. Uh, for in those three short chapters, the word voice, the word voice is used 11 times just in those three chapters. We'll hear God's voice to his people encouraging them. We will hear the voices of the saints declaring God's goodness in yet another break in the judgments when there is worship in heaven. We'll hear the defiant voices of the lost still rebelling against the Lord. And we'll hear the voices of the angels who give testimony of the things to come. As many of you know, my grandson is blind since birth, and, um, and we play games together and, and have fun about that. Um, in the morning, sometimes, he will come out to the kitchen, and I'll be standing there, and his, you know, his other senses are extremely heightened. We play this game where I try to sneak up on him, and someday I'm going to do it. I just know it. <laughs> he makes fun of me, and, and I tell him I'm a ninja. I'm just working on my quietness when I walk. But uh, he'll come out to the kitchen, and he'll sense that someone's... St- I, I try to... I just remain silent, I think. But he hears my heart beating or something. I don't know what it is. And he, he says, Grammy? And I'll say, hi, Kyler, how are you? you know, and I think it sounds just like Debbie. But somehow his heightened senses, he says, oh, it's you, Grandpa. Yeah, good morning to you, too. But... Uh, Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 27, he says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. The same can be said here in the chapters this morning that we're going to look at. We're going to hear about all these voices. God's people who remain close to him in his word, in prayer, when you pursue a relationship with him, What you'll find out is that as you walk with the Lord, he draws you even closer and even closer, and you'll begin to hear his voice better than you ever have or thought you could. 
uh, as you stay close and draw near to him. In contrast from our study, the earth dwellers, these are the, the earth dwellers are the ones that, that have gotten the, the number stamped on them. Their, their fate is sealed when they do that. But the earth dwellers who follow after the Antichrist are learning to recognize his voice as well. And, and they're pursuing his plans. It's interesting to watch these two camps as they, as they play out. Let's begin uh, researching some of the voices here in Revelation, chapter 14. Hopefully you're there now, chapter 14, verse 1. Verse 1, the voice of the 144,000, the voice of the 144,000. If you'd like to take notes, flip your bulletin over, you can follow along. Then I looked, and behold, a lamb, referring to Jesus, this is John speaking, a lamb standing on Mount Zion. Now, I've been to Israel uh, three four times, um, and we've gotten to stand on Mount Zion and look across the Kidron Valley into Jerusalem, and it's a beautiful sight. It's just, I get chills every time we go over there. But it's a, it's a beautiful mount. And here, John sees Jesus standing on Mount Zion. And with him, 144,000 having his father's name written on their foreheads. You may recall back in chapter 7 when the Jewish men were sealed during the first half, the first three and a half years of the tribulation. These are Jewish believers that have come to Christ. And God stamps some name, we don't know, on their forehead that identifies them as followers of Christ during the tribulation, and he protects them from his wrath. Jesus protected them, and, and here they are again on the backside now of the seven years of tribulation in the presence of Jesus, who is standing on Mount Zion. They are standing down below him, and they're about to break into an awesome time of worship. We'll get back to that in a minute. Verse 2, and I heard a voice from heaven, like the voice of many waters, and like the voice of loud thunder. And I heard the sound of harpists playing their harps. They sang, as it were, a new song before the throne, before the four living creatures. Now, this is a, the four living creatures, you remember, they're the hierarchy in the angel, you know, in the angel league. And so here's the four living creatures, and these guys are before them. And no one could learn that song except the 144,000. Who, re, who were redeemed from the earth. So at some point, we're going to be in heaven, and this is all going to take place in front of us, and you're going to see the 144,000 stand up. It's going to be a choir of men that blows our mind. And they're going to know a song that we can't learn, we can't sing, because God honors them for what they did during the tribulation. And they have a song that they're going to sing to God. It's going to be outstanding. I can't wait for this moment. Uh, these are the ones who were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. Notice here that the 144,000 made up of Jewish men are singing a new song that no one else knows or can sing except for them. These men went through the tribulation. They were redeemed with salvation and went through some extremely difficult days. In fact, the most difficult days this planet will ever know or experience it. And they remained faithful to their master all the way through. 
These were difficult days, just like the Apostle Paul went through. And Paul made the same decision to remain celibate over getting married in order that he could focus on the mission God had for him. And these 144,000 do the same. They want to be so caught up with Jesus and being able to hear. They don't want to get married. They're, They're married to Christ. These first fruits of grace didn't bow down to the beast, but rather they obeyed the voice of Jesus in these challenging days on planet Earth. Verse 4, these were redeemed from among men, being first fruits to God and the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no deceit, for they are without fault before the throne of God. Last week, we read that they hadn't loved their own lives to the end, but rather they lived their lives to please Jesus, even when it cost them their life. Even though they knew by giving a testimony that they were going to have to pay with that, with their own blood, they went through and did it anyway. They did not love their life to the end. They had surrendered it. Voice number one is the voice of the 144,000. And now we hear the voice, voice number two, the voices of the angels. There's half a dozen, at least in here, that you're going to hear from. Verse six, then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come. And worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and springs of water. This is what he's crying out to the earth dwellers. Now, angels are not allowed to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and his atoning death and his resurrection from the grave. Uh, That's called the full gospel. That's That's been given to us. As God's people, that's that's our mission in life, is to share the full gospel of Jesus Christ. What is that? The, The full gospel is this, that God sent his son, his one and only son, down to earth to the sinners. That's you and me. And he lived a righteous and holy life so that he could go to the cross. This this made him worthy to go to the cross. Because he was sinless, he could die for everyone on planet Earth. He said, no one takes my life, I lay it down. He laid his life down. He shed his blood on a cross. He paid the debt that you and I owed. It should have been us up there on that cross. But Jesus says, no, my Father loves you so much that we're going to ransom you. We're going to offer complete forgiveness to you. And he went to the cross, he died for you and me. And then three days later... God stamped his approval when Jesus was raised from the grave. He conquered death. He made a way through death that you and I can follow right behind him. That's the full gospel. But this angel is declaring what theologians have called the natural gospel. The natural gospel is in God's creation and gives testimony of God's existence. In their very presence, nature itself cries out and demands that there is a creator. And this angel is declaring this to all the earth dwellers. No one will stand before God and say, I didn't know you existed. 
Because in nature we see God. And if we don't, it's because we choose not to see him. He flung the stars where they are. He created the planets. He breathed his breath into man and woman. He gave them life. There's no other explanation that that is plausible. And so this angel is declaring the natural gospel here. Verse 8, and another angel followed saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. We've talked about Babylon before, but Babylon has long represented the ungodly Gentile nations of the earth. And here it represents all of lost humanity. We'll get more into Babylon in chapter 18. Verse 9 here. Then a, then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb." Notice that God is still holding the door of salvation open to those who have not received the mark yet. The way that this is worded in the Greek strongly suggests that these people who this angel is exhorting are those who have not received the mark, but they have not received salvation either. See, they're riding this fence, and so much of humanity believes that they're just going to ride this Fence, not choosing one side or the other, but to not choose Jesus is a choice against him. This reveals that people who are undecided still have an opportunity to follow Jesus at this point in the tribulation. In the weakness of our humanity, it's easy for us to think of God as being unjustly cruel. You know, how long have we been reading the judgments on the earth. It's so hard to be in this for this long, and yet you're going to see a reason for it coming up. The train's in the middle of the dark tunnel. Don't bail yet. There's a great finish to this story. There's a happy ending all the way at the end if you'll just keep working your way through it. Think back on all the warnings that we've read about over these past months that God's given to the world. Consider how evil and unjust the world has become at this point in biblical history. It's just horrific to think of what's happening on the planet Earth. Christians are being slaughtered by, by the thousands. The world is and will be without excuse for their violent and sinful behavior before this holy and just God. And while his grace is abundant now, justice must come upon the wicked because God himself is just. But remember this, 2 Peter 3.9 is one of my favorite verses. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, or concerning his promise. We're talking about his promise to return. You remember that the Christians in 95 AD were going, hey, hey, Paul, you said Jesus is coming back. It's been like 60 years. Where is he? People are starting to question this. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, 
as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's the heart of our Father. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He doesn't want anyone to go to hell. When I was a cop, occasionally people would ask me, how do you worship this God who sends people to hell? And I would tell them, listen, my God doesn't send anyone to hell. People choose to go to hell because they reject him. And that's, that's on them, not on God. God's desire is that all would come to him and repent. God is using extreme measures here to reveal the grace that's being offered to the lost. As hard as it is to hear, he's still extending grace to those who have not made a decision. But for those who have chosen to drink of the cup of of God's wrath, that means allegiance to Satan by getting the mark, theirs is a sealed and eternal future in hell. Verse 11 goes on to describe this. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image, and whoever receives the mark of his name. But those who have overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimonies, we looked at that uh, last week, shall rest in the presence of the Lord. Listen, there's no better place to be at rest than to be in the presence of Jesus. We can do that in our quiet time right now. But imagine what it's going to be like later on when you stand, you and I stand in the presence of Jesus Christ. Boy, there's no peace like this. There's nothing. It's matchless. Verse 12. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus Then I heard a voice from heaven. John's still talking. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Write, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. That's so encouraging to me. When when a loved one goes to heaven, when they die and go to heaven, you know, we grieve down here. And that's natural. But we don't grieve like the world grieves a a person who's unsaved because we know where they are. When my father died, I grieved. I miss him. I want to ask him more questions. But this gives me hope because he's blessed now. He's in the presence of Jesus Christ. And guess what? He's resting from his labors. And you and I someday will do the same. And get this. His works followed him, and so will ours. The things we did in the name of Christ will follow us, and one day we'll be rewarded for that, for those things that we did. What a great promise that is. Verse 14, Then I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and on the cloud sat one like the Son of Man, this is obviously Jesus, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, this is up in heaven, crying with a loud voice to him, Jesus, who sat on the cloud. And this is what he said, thrust in your sickle and reap, for the time has come for you to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he who sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. 
Then another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the altar, who had power over fire. And he cried with a loud cry to him who had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. Judgment has come. What they've reaped is about to be sown, or what they've sown, they're about to reap. Jesus is going to reap from this uh, sinful harvest that man has sown. Verse 19, so the angel thrust his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and threw it into the great winepress and the wrath of God. And the winepress was trampled outside the city and blood came out of the winepress up to the horse's bridles for 1,600 furlongs. That is 200 miles. I, I believe this is a reference to the battle of Armageddon that is about, we're, we're going to talk about that in just a few moments here. Earlier in history, Israel represented the vine. Uh, they, they're called the vine, who, but they had to be cut down because of their failure, her failure to give God glory through their son. Remember, they rejected Messiah, and so their vine was trimmed back. Currently, Jesus is the vine, and we, the church, are the branches of this vine, giving him glory. But the Lord, or but the world, and its sinful agenda is a vine as well that we see here in Scripture. And this vine will be eradicated when God is ready to remove it forever. And what they, what they sowed will be revealed. And it is ugly, as you just read. It's not the wine that we normally talk about. This is blood from the murders and the sin of men. He'll harvest their sins and reveal their produce. This is not a sweet wine, but a bitter concoction of the blood the world has spilt, pursuing its own gratification. One day sin and those who practice it will be placed into the winepress of God's wrath to reveal their true nature at the end. This is likely including, as I said, the battle of Armageddon when blood is shed like never before on planet Earth. How interesting that those who freely and willfully spilled the blood of Christians will one day be forced into God's winepress to shed their own. We've looked at voice number one, the voice of the 144,000. Voice number two, the voice of the angels. Now let's look at voice number three, the voice of the victorious. The voice of the victorious. Moving on. To chapter 15 now, chapter 15, John sees seven angels holding seven vials or bowls of God's wrath. Verse 1, then I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them the wrath of God is complete. But before they pour them out onto the world in final judgment, we experience yet another interlude of worship and praise in heaven. Verse 2, And I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire, and those who have the victory over the beast, that's all believers, all Christians, 
that have victory over the beast, over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, having harps of God. They sing the song of Moses. That's an actual song. We're going to talk about it in a second. They sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, and now here's, here's part of the song of Moses. Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of saints. Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. For all nations shall come and worship before you. For your judgments have been manifested. Now listen, the song of Moses was first sung after God parted the Red Sea. You remember the story. The Israelites were leaving Egypt, and, and shortly afterwards, Pharaoh changes his mind, and he sends his armies, whether to kill them or, or put them back into servanthood. And, and just as they're reaching the Red Sea, the armies are coming over the hill, and Moses sees that this is a problem. We can't cross the sea, and yet we can't stay here. We'll be slaughtered. Restored for Life is a radio ministry brought to you by Restored Community Church. Visit RestoredCommunityChurch.org to learn more about Pastor Ben Harris and for service times. Join Pastor Ben next time as we set out on a journey to discover the authentic life as Christ followers through obedience to His Word.